I, Anxiety Masters, welcome back to A Slice of Life with me, Dominic Decker. I'm a coach and psychotherapist, and this is the Anxiety Master podcast, here to help you develop a strong and confident life. This is the audio version of the Emotional Health Check-In, a free resource which is part of the Anxiety Toolkit that you can download on the homepage at anxietymaster.org. If you haven't got a copy of this already, this is one of the first resources I share with my one-to-one clients, so do make sure you grab your copy if you haven't done already. There's also a link in the show notes to remind you where to go. Okay, let's dive straight in. So welcome to your emotional health checkup. Now, your emotional health is truly precious. It underpins your ability to interact with the world and rise to the challenges you face each day. For this reason, you should do all you can to protect it. So the resource that we're covering will offer you a clear, practical and straightforward way to get started. The checkup's going to inform you about your emotional needs, support you to reflect upon areas of your life that may need further attention. It'll enable you to assess your current well-being and also help you to identify any existing gaps. So in other words, the assessment will enable you to adopt a constructive approach towards understanding and supporting your emotional health. Now, while valuable to all of us, you may find the checkup especially helpful if you do suffer from excess stress or low confidence or anxiety. Now, when confronting stressful issues or emotional concerns, clear judgment is often clouded. As a result, the way you think, that radio station inside your head, about the problems you face can quickly become distorted. In other words, when you are low on emotional capacity, your ability to respond to events effectively will be reduced, and this can lead to distress. By remaining mindful of your emotional health, you take positive steps to respect and care for yourself properly and position yourself to be better equipped to deal with the problems that you face when they inevitably arise. Consider your emotional well-being as built a little bit like a dam. If it's well-constructed, the dam can manage rising stress levels effectively. Equally, maintaining your emotional well-being will help you foster spare mental capacity and this positions you to respond to life's tough times and challenges effectively. Now, with all things human, of course there's much more that we can add to this and we will as we go along. But just for today, let's focus upon the emotional health checkup. So emotional health provides the basis for your mental well-being. Emotions are what you feel, yet they are volatile and quickly subject to change. If you think back to a situation in which you were in the grip of emotion, were you thinking clearly and able to make wise decisions? Or probably not. Emotions represent power, but power without intelligence is tyrannical. And this is where life can become a confusing and exhausting ride if you are led only or mainly by your emotions. Having your thoughts clouded by emotion drives stress and anxiety so it's essential that you understand your emotional health and what, if anything, you might do to support your well-being. So to get going, we're going to consider this. Why it's hard to change anxious thinking. Then a better place to start. Some important questions to ask yourself. And finally, your personal check-in for well-being. So the challenge of anxious thinking. Well, feeling fearful or anxious represents all-consuming states. These are emotional ordeals in which calm and control appear often beyond reach. Attempting to quieten your mind is a real challenge. 
And while you may already have some methods for calming yourself down, it's likely that they don't always work, especially when that stress is rising really high. Or more recently, mindfulness has gained popularity as a means for increasing presence and calm, and indeed, practices that focus on developing awareness and being in the moment can help. Yet some people find that such practices can even heighten their anxiety. I mean, remaining still and focused when your heart is about to burst out of your chest can further ramp up the discomfort dial and feel intensely uneasy. In the heat of fear or excitement, we're designed to respond with some form of decisive action, not staying still and waiting it out, because back in the wild, that might have spelt death. So why can it be so hard to tame our thoughts? Well, there's a simple reason. Your emotions precede thinking, not the other way around, as commonly understood. In other words, your thoughts derive from your emotions, these insanely powerful human drivers. The thoughts are downstream from emotions, so you won't effectively change your thinking unless the underlying emotional drivers have first been acknowledged and understood. Some people use soothing mantras, Reminders like, I am not my anxiety, or this experience can help me to grow, or this won't last forever. Yet, these logical and well-meaning statements often offer minimal reassurance. Or they skim across the surface with disappointing impact, or they just won't sink in. And whilst you get it with your head, the heart isn't feeling it. And there are different ways of knowing. We can understand something rationally and cognitively. But if we don't feel emotionally calm, we won't understand it at our core, that place that really matters the most. This lack of impact can make you feel even worse. With fearful or anxious thoughts remaining stubbornly unresponsive to affirmative statements or meditation, you might think you're losing control or even going crazy. Or fortunately, you probably aren't. In fact, I'm sure you aren't. Again, it's just that cognitive tools tend to work better when your emotions are tamed. In other words, when emotional arousal is low, your capacity to clarify perspective, reframe things usefully and dial down anxious thinking will increase. So like a sticking plaster, cognitive thinking strategies can support healing, but still they won't repair the primary cause of injury, in this case, emotional upset. It's here that an understanding of emotional health is so important because this provides the starting point for treating any anxiety-related, indeed any mental health, distress. So let's have a look at what emotional health involves. All forms of life need nourishment from the environment to survive. For instance, when a seed is produced, it requires air, water, sunshine and nutrients from the soil to grow. If it receives enough nutrition, that seed will develop into a healthy life form, a plant or a tree perhaps. The critical point is this, if its needs are sufficiently met, it cannot be distressed. Now, it's the same for people too. Although we are a more complex form of life, a similar principle applies. We need nourishment to grow, to maintain survival and to prosper in our environment. So like all animals, we know that we have physical needs for food, water, warmth and shelter, which must be sufficiently met for survival. Yet whilst fulfilling physical needs will keep us alive, there's more to it. We also need emotional nutrition to lead confident and satisfying lives free from excessive fear and worry.
So this framework applies to us all in equal measure, regardless of our cultural background. Having these needs met provides an anchor for emotional calm and stability. And when emotional needs are adequately met, we are better positioned to face and meet life's various challenges, such as work-related stress or interpersonal conflicts or health issues. So let's take a look at what this involves. Well, for emotional well-being, we require security. This is a sense of safety and certainty. In other words, an environment in which people can live without experiencing excessive fear so that they can develop healthily. We also need attention, receiving consideration from others, but also giving it. And this is a vital form of energy exchange. It's like a message from the universe that we exist, and it fuels the development of each individual, family and culture. We need intimacy. This is an emotional connection to other people through friendship, love, closeness and having fun. We need privacy, time and space enough to reflect upon and consolidate our experiences. We need connection to a broader community. This is interaction with a larger group of people and a sense of being part of the group. Naturally, other people help us normalise life's problems and reassure us that we're still sane. We need a sense of competence and achievement. This is confidence in our abilities and the conviction that we have what it takes to meet life's demands. We have a need for autonomy and a degree of control. Now this is a sense of volition over what happens to and around us. We need status. This is a feeling that we're accepted and values in the various social groups to which we belong. And underlying all of this is a need for meaning and purpose. Well, this is being stretched, aiming for meaningful goals. Having a higher sense of calling or serving others creates meaning and purpose. And this sense of fulfilment acts as a counterbalance to life suffering. It's really the thing that gets us out of bed in the morning when times are tough. Now, if one or more of those needs from the list are not adequately satisfied, these unmet requirements will represent stresses within your life. And stress is cumulative. So in other words, the more needs that are missing, the greater the emotional burden. And over time, anxiety can emerge in response to this stress. Briefly, it's also worth acknowledging that the way that people get those needs will be slightly different. So for instance, one person might get their sense of status from being successful at work, whilst another might get their status from being the heartbeat within their group of friends, the go-to confidant who people can talk to about how they're feeling. What's more, whilst these needs must be adequately met, they can also be excessively met. Well, let's say, for instance, somebody who receives too much status, well, this might not be good for their ego. Or equally, someone who has too much privacy, time to introspect, that might not be particularly healthy for them when in fact they need the company of other people. So really, when it comes to these emotional needs, it's a, a Goldilocks principle of not too much and not too little. And we can imagine it like a, like a balanced diet. We need a, a range of different foods, in this case, emotional foods, in order to remain healthy and well. Now, sometimes people are very clear about what might be missing for them. But for others, the self-assessment, the check-in, provides a useful starting point to begin a practical review of where things currently are. So before you complete the assessment, here are some thoughts to consider, some important questions. Each of these questions relate to the various needs. So firstly, 
Do you feel secure at home, work and in your general environment? Or do these places feel stable and predictable? In other words, can you feel safe and calm without fear of upset or nasty surprises? For instance, is your workplace inclusive and mindful of your personal life? Or do you need to watch your back? Does your job feel secure? Are your relationships predictable and reliable or precarious and conditional? Is your partner or your housemate supportive? Or do you reluctantly live alone? Next, do you receive enough attention? So, are there people in your life who are genuinely interested in what you think and feel? Are you able to share your thoughts, concerns and the highs and lows? Or do you spend too much time in isolation, perhaps due to shyness? Are there people in your life who offer more than they take? People who listen to you and provide meaningful support? Next, do you give other people enough attention? Are you there for others and able to take a real interest in their lives? Are you genuinely engaged in what others think and do or just in how their opinions and actions affect you? Next, do you feel in control of life most of the time? So can you take responsibility for important decisions in your life? Do you feel responsible for things that are beyond your control? Or do you think you should be able to control events that, in fact, you can't, such as whether close family members get along with one another? Do you feel part of a wider community? Or do you have people who say hello to you on the street? Are there people close by that you can rely upon? Maybe neighbours, or are you part of a club or an interest group? Or have you stopped taking part in social events that previously felt important, perhaps due to life changes? Have you stepped back from enjoyable activities that you enjoyed, maybe as a result of suffering anxiety? And can you obtain privacy when you need to? Do you have adequate space and time in your home to reflect in peace or to pursue a hobby or interest? Or is your time and space in constant demand and invaded by others? Do your family members, friends and place of work give you personal time or are you expected to be on call and in contact most of the time? Or can you take time off if you really need to or are there always things competing for your time and attention? Next, do you have at least one close friend? Do you have a relationship in life, one in which you feel wholly accepted, warts and all? Is there someone who gets you completely, just as you are, So someone you can confide in and share your concerns and troubles with, no matter how trivial they might appear to others? Is there someone who can advise you or offer guidance and bring a different perspective to life events that you face? Or do you find that you're always keeping up a front, jollying along when really you don't feel this way? Next, do you feel an emotional connection with others? So apart from a close friend, do you have friends and family whom you care about a lot? Do you feel cared for by them? Are you in regular contact or have you lost touch and stopped seeing them lately? Next, do you have some status in life that you value? Do you feel recognised and acknowledged by others, perhaps through work or some other activity that you undertake? Are you happy with your achievements or do you think that you aren't enough? Do you get easily jealous and yearn for things that you don't have? And do you feel like life has given you a fair crack of the whip? Next, are you achieving things in life that make you proud? So are you happy with the way you spend your time and 
feel rewarded for your efforts or do you often feel dissatisfied with your achievements? Are there things in life that make you feel good about yourself or do you overly rely upon past achievements for a sense of feeling good about yourself? And lastly, do you feel mentally and or physically stretched in a way that makes life feel meaningful? So do you have a strong sense of purpose? Do you know why you get up in the morning and have something that you're happy about? Do you engage in activities that feel meaningful for others? Are there activities in your life that bring a sense of competence and achievement? Maybe you have an overarching commitment in your life, perhaps to religion or philosophy, that helps you to view life as meaningful. So, your next step, once you've reflected upon these broader questions, you might like to see how you fare by rating your essential needs on the following survey. And just a reminder again, if you don't have a copy of this already, this is available as part of the free Anxiety Toolkit, available on the anxietymaster.org homepage. It'll take you through 14 different questions, and you can use these to assess the different areas of your life. And then afterwards, it'll be interesting to consider what you may have found out. So, for instance, your assessment might suggest that you're doing better than you thought. And equally, there might be areas of life or unmet needs, we can refer to them as, that are triggering your anxiety or at least keeping it going. Perhaps your life offers ways in which your needs might be better met. For instance, you receive social invitations, but your anxiety holds you back. Hopefully you'll find this a quick and valuable stock-taking exercise. Now, it's often the case that when we're anxious, we can't really see the wood for the trees because everything is hard and it's always going to be like this and there's nothing we can do to improve things and it will never get better. It can almost feel like life is happening to us rather than for us. But let's not panic. Let's avoid this catastrophic thinking and instead consider our emotional needs because when you look rationally at the individual components of your mental well-being as emotional needs, you have a clear analytical framework to understand your emotional health. And critically, you can start to consider ways to reduce stress and regain some clarity and control. I really hope you find this useful. Take care. I'll be back soon.